Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring me, author and speaker Haley DiMaria, and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week we will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is resolutions. Anne, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Haley, and Happy 2021. I know people have high hopes for this year. One of my friends said we're putting a lot of pressure on 2021, but this is the week of January 3rd, 2021. And last week's theme was Christmas. And as you said, this week we'll talk about resolutions. I always struck um, a number of people just are not fans of the resolution or they resist, right? The um, commitment to something each year. But I hope during uh, today's session, we will offer our listeners a few ideas of what they may resolve to do in this year. Well, I think sometimes when people resist resolutions, it's because they're afraid of not following through, right? They don't want to set themselves up for failure so that they don't even try. But uh, yeah, hopefully we can walk people through um, just making that attempt to, to, to do something a little better. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things to do. Uh, but before we get to resolutions, I would like just to offer a thought from Christmas, our theme last week. Um, one of our goals with this podcast is that the stories we share will resonate with our listeners. And I, I shared the story of my personal resistance to telling um, family members what I want for Christmas and how I appreciate when they surprise me with a gift and the story of um, my brother who does like to be told and what to give and what to get, um, gave me a CD that I already had of Huey Lewis and the New Sports, even though I told him I already had it and I wanted the vinyl. So, uh, you know, stories resonate in both good and bad ways. So um, one of the responses is a friend told me about her husband that gave her the same pair of earrings uh, two years apart, right? So we're not alone in Ah. some of the people we love who may forget and not remember what they've given. And the other story, I got to play golf with a friend and he told me how he gave his son his vinyl collection. Vinyl is really popular among young people and how special that was. I think it was about 75 records and they kind of just walked through what each one meant and, you know, maybe memories associated with the album and whatnot. I, I should have asked if Sports by Huey Lewis and the News was in that collection. Right, right. Could you buy it from him? <laughs> yeah. right. Send the invoice to uh, my my brother. Um, but it also had me think about just one of the greatest gifts uh, that I got at Christmas, but also my life is the gift of music. So whether it's a CD or a record, I have grown up in a family that really loves music. I love live music. And um, I've gotten that from my dad's side of the family. My, um, they always say my grandfather loved Bing Crosby. My dad is Frank Sinatra. One of my uncles is the Beatles and another one is Bruce Springsteen. So they passed all of that on to me. And um, that one uncle sent us a Christmas message with a, a link to a song by Ringo Starr on Christmas Eve, which I just thought was so awesome. And um, I was recommended the HBO documentary by our mutual friend, Alex Montoya. It's um, called The Bee Gees, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart, which is a song they wrote. And it was awesome. It was so good. I enjoyed it so much. I've written about it in my blog. I'll attach the article to that. But The Bee Gees, their music underscored, you know, you kind of talk about the soundtrack of your life, the early chapters 
I would say. So it was so interesting learning their personal stories and the relationships among the brothers Gibb. So, Anne, I love that. And I'm going to challenge you, um, maybe not with a resolution, but some homework for this week. So uh, you went through who your father, your uncle, and your grandfather were as it relates to musicians. Who who are you? Uh, and if you can't answer that right away, we're going to yeah. we're going to circle back to that next week. Um, I love it. Yeah. Great. Uh, so you can add yourself yeah. to the list there. But, you know, I love what you share about. Um, you know, shared about with your your golf friend and the fact that he gave his son his final records because because really even when when you talk about the gift of music in your life it's it's the gift of it's the gift of time it's the gift of a shared experience um, it's the gift of ourselves right you know so much of of certainly music is so personal but um, I just I love that passing on and sharing things that are meaningful to us, um, to those that we love. I also love the story about your your friend's husband who gave her the earrings, uh, the same pair of earrings um, for Christmas. I, I have a quick fix to that problem, thanks to my sister. Um, several years ago, probably about 15 now, she gave me as a gift one year, a black and white composition book. Um, so, you know, for those of you who've been to school in, in recent years, or actually probably many years ago now, just one of those typical black and white composition books is sure. a gift. And yeah. um, I started using it to record the gifts that I buy and I give so that I wouldn't give someone the same gift uh -huh. two years in a row. And I love it. So I have every every year has two pages. One says, you know, for example, this past year, 2020 birthdays, and one page is 2020 Christmas. And I am, I am a year-long gift purchaser. So I have a gift closet like many people do. And I buy things throughout the year when I'm shopping, when I'm traveling, not traveling this past year. But, you know, if I see something that I think someone will love, I'll buy it and stick it in the gift closet um, or or when I'm traveling. And, um, you know, I go into a, a local artisan shop or, you know, oftentimes there's people who sell their their homemade goods on the street. And I love um, I love those type of local gifts. Um, so, you know, for example, one year we were in Italy and there were these really neat floral wooden different colored necklaces um, mm. that were really kind of funky. So I bought, you know, four or five of them and I put them in my gift closet and then just needed to figure out who I'd give them to. Um, but I got to make sure I don't give my sister two of those. So um, yeah. I have I have this book um, that keeps track of gifts. So we can maybe pass that along to, to your friend yeah. to give to her husband. And I trust you reference the book, Haley, sounds like, because it's the one thing I could see myself having the book but maybe not double checking it. Oh, well, I know I, I know I don't remember. So it's, if you know you're gonna be forgetful, then it's always helpful to write yes. things down. And it's kind of fun. It um, is, yeah. great, I've never heard that. Thank you for sharing that. Of course, so, and you know, one of the things that's interesting about 2020, you know, so many people, probably most people are really glad that the year is over. Um, but, you know, there, I, I've been, looking back and reflecting on 2020, you know, like most people have, like most of us do when it comes to New Year's. And one of the things I've really enjoyed over the past couple of weeks is is reading your blog posts as it relates to 2020 and, you know, your own reflections. So tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about and what have you learned from it? Yeah, thank you for reading. In 2019, I started 19 people, or it could have been a team um, that you know, had, I have a memory with, or I was impressed by, or learned about. And I decided in 2020, so many of us think that we didn't do as much. And, you know, like me, like you, I didn't travel. 
And so I just thought, well, what are some of the experiences or memories or the people or events, even just realizations that I want to kind of shout out and recognize? And for anyone who has a blog, there's always like a window of time when you should write something. So occasionally you'll just miss kind of the window and um, having this 20 for 20 allows me to go back and be able to write about it because it's, you know, ending, it's closing the year. Now I didn't finish the 2020, uh, the 20 for 2020, but I'm okay with that because January is, you know, named after the Roman God Janus and Janus has two heads. One is looking back, one is looking forward. So I will, you know, have the other 10 in this month. And it's still a great way to think about, you know, springboard for the year that's to come. Um, well, for it, example, oh, go ahead. Well, I was, it, it's just also, it's, it's a great template. Um, you know, I know when I make the commitment to post my 24 nativities or post, you know, the things I'm grateful for, it, it, it holds you accountable too. That's true. And it's a yeah, great, you know, mental inventory. And I did write about Kobe Bryant when he died, but um, the one flight I took in 2020 was to LAX and it, I boarded the plane 15 minutes after I heard that their hel his helicopter went down. It was honestly like chaos to a small degree of people on the plane sharing what they had heard, what they learned, we weren't sure. We wasn't sure how many people had died. And um, as someone you know who does fly quite a bit, I never would have thought that that would have been the one trip I would have taken. And it was so poignant because I flew into Los Angeles and I get on this, you know, bus to the hotel and you know the only news i'm hearing is about his his imminent death so that is something that's important to recall and that's part of 2020 and um we will remember him it's hard to believe that was just a year ago um so some of the reflections are you know like this year but you know tough they're sad they're hard um, but there was also a lot of great laughs and i would have to say my favorite piece this year i read this article on George Kittle, the 49ers, our local team here, were in the Super Bowl, which also feels like a very long time ago. Yes. They ultimately lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. But this tight end, George Kittle, is just, he is a beast. And uh, he is relentless. And uh, he has a, quite a following, a fandom. And this one sports writer sat in a Panda Express all day waiting to see Kittle because it's a known fact that on Mondays after game days, he comes into the Santa Clara Panda Express. So such a great story. I, la I, I truly laughed so hard when I read it. And I don't know if others outside of the Bay Area who don't know George Kittle would find it as funny, but they might because it's the story of a universal you know, fandom. It, fan being a fan is short for fanatic. And you certainly see that in the story. So oh, that was fun. Oh, for sure. So I, I remember re I read that that blog post of yours and you had put in a link to the actual article um, that the that the sports writer had written as he's sitting there in Panda Express all day. And, <laughs> you know, you know, I don't live in the Bay Area, so, you know, I don't have those visuals of what that actually looks like or even really know George Kittle that well. Um, but, you know, just as a sports fan and someone who, you know, has sort of those fangirl um, admirations for people who you find talented or funny or smart or whatever it is, you know, sure. um, I absolutely, uh, loved that article and, you know, I could see myself doing the same thing. If there was a, a player that, you know, I, I really had a lot of respect for, and I knew he or she was going to be at a restaurant. Yeah. I probably would take my laptop and, and park myself there all day. And, and then I think the best part of the article, um, 
was at the end, at least the version I read, had a screenshot of when the author of the article had tweeted out the story because, of course, Kittle doesn't show up at at Panda Express that day. Um, and then George Kittle had retweeted it and said, oh, I, I door dashed my food from there that day. And, you know, that that's that was sort of the perfect ending. He actually didn't meet him, but he still went because, you know, that sort of sums up 2022 or 2020 yeah, also, sure. right? You know, we right. kept waiting for something that, that never really came. Huh. But, well, and I, I swear our show is not endorsed by Panda Express, but part of the story that's so funny is because for some reason it really is so good that even this professional athlete would eat there and it, it cannot be healthy, but I have this great memory, Haley, I was coaching JV girls golf and I had this player. She was so, I hate this word flaky, but it, she was not responsible and she was pretty flaky. And uh, it was also, it was often frustrating working with her. But after a match one time, her father brought the entire team and the visiting team Panda Express. You better believe my attitude towards <laughs> this player changed. That orange sesame chicken. So oh. good. It was so good. Yeah, so. it really is. It really yeah. is. Well, I, um, you know, I had my own little, I had my own take on on reflecting on 2020, as most people do. And um, I started a, a Facebook post and, and probably would have put it out on other parts of social media as well. So I thought about, you know, I'm going to go back through my camera roll on my phone, because um, that's where most of us keep our pictures these days, sure. for better or worse. And I'm going to find 20 pictures that from 2020 that made me smile um, because I know we did fun things and I certainly enjoyed, um, you know, the time with my family. And so I went back through and of course on the iPhone, it has the select feature. So I started in January and I just started clicking on pictures to select them um, that I wanted to share. And when I got to the end uh, of 2020, thinking I'd have about 20 photos to share, I ended up with about 63 and, and, oh. And I knew towards the end that I had had I had too many, so I was then not even clicking on all of the ones that that really made me smile or brought me joy. And and I thought, you know, that's kind of a real indication of what this year was like too. Um, you know, it, certainly we were more fortunate than than many people. You know, COVID didn't affect our life, you know, directly or, or have an impact like it did on on so many people. Uh, but there was there was a lot of joy there, and and life certainly looked differently. But I think that. That's that's a metaphor for life in general, right? It's there. There are things that happen that we can't control. There are outside forces that affect um, the way we live our life every day, and we certainly can choose to be really upset about that, or we can choose to scroll through the photos of the year and and find things that make us happy, um, and focus on that as well. So certainly that's easier to do some days and some years more than others, but um, it made me realize twenty twenty. Um, there, there were parts of it that were really quite joyful. And, and a lot of that has to do with just really stripping down to the basics and, you know, our family and our friends and making meaningful connections when they weren't easy. You know, we really had to go out of our way to make those connections. So um, for those for whom 2020 was really tough, um, we're glad it's a new year and we hope it's a new and better year for everyone. Um, and for those of us who are able to carry that joy from 2020, let's let's make sure that we we keep moving forward with that. Um, well, you know, Haley, I did look for your, I saw your posting and I looked for the photos. So thank you for sharing kind of the story that goes with that. And I'm kind of struck by the connection to Christmas because that was really kind of the homily about Christmas is um, 
what we are given oftentimes isn't what we expect, but it's what we need. So just hearing about 62 different memories, and it could have been more, it sounded like you stopped. That's really the joy of Christmas right there. So I would be curious to know, you know, at the end of 2021 is the number, you know, it's possible you don't select 62. It's possible you select 40. You know, we keep seeing deficit in this year, but maybe, maybe that's a lot. So um, that might be your homework for long-term homework. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and I'm sure you've probably seen this posted someplace too, but um, you know, there, there's a, a saying or a post going around that says, you know, if we're waiting for life to go back the way it was before COVID happened, we haven't really learned much. Um, and I do think that's true. I do think there are some real change, um, changes that have been positive. Um, so hopefully we can carry those forward as well. Um, but let's move on to our, our spiritual stew and the, the gospel and the readings from this week. Um, you know, looking ahead, I, I, I'm looking to send my kids back to school this week. I know a lot of schools are starting this week. I know yours is not. You've got one more week of vacation, which is nice. Um, Don't tell people that. They might be envious. But yes, I'm silently celebrating. Yes, well, you should enjoy that. Um, And I... I was looking ahead and I noticed this week, um, you know, that the saints have been on my mind, you know, and I'll talk about that as I get to sort of my takeaway from this week. But it really struck me as I'm looking ahead at, you know, going back to even into my own school, back to work and my children going back to school, that there are two um, saints who have their feast days this year or this week, sorry, Elizabeth Ann Seton and St. John Newman, um, both who have ties to the East Coast. Um, probably most of the saints do, but growing up in Arizona, the saints weren't really a part of my life. And then I moved to Maryland and um, went to go visit Mount St. Mary's University and drove by the the shrine of Elizabeth Ann Seton, which was really very cool. Um, and then our local parish here it has a satellite church um, that's St. John Newman. And you know, for most of us who have been on college campuses, we've seen the Newman Center. It's you know a, a Catholic place, even at public institutions, most schools have a a Newman Center. So I thought that was really interesting and neat that these two saints that um, have a lot in common in terms of their focus on education. Um, You know, Elizabeth Ann Seton was the first American to be canonized and St. John Newman was our first uh, American bishop to be canonized. So kind of a lot of things in common um, that made me pay attention to, um, again, the saints and their role in our faith. so for me, I, I just thought that was really neat. Yeah. Um, you know, I think as a Catholic school educator, that it would, that would, I'm just thinking about this now, Haley, it would have been a great tie-in to have Catholic Schools Week, although it is too early to um, connect it to her feast day, uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. But, you know, I always thought it was remarkable that she was married and had a family and her husband died and she, you know, essentially started the Sisters of Charity, like Daughters of Charity, who have been, you know, outstanding educators and nurses, um, or maybe she was, or did she start it? We have, we'll have to do that, do homework on that ourselves. Um, she is somebody to to celebrate and to give thanks for. And then I always remember this quote about Saint John. I don't know if it's no. Some people it's Newman, but some people it's Neumann. He's from like a Central European country, I believe, and then moved to the U.S. There is like a shrine, I think, in Philadelphia for him. Yep, Philly. One of, is that right? Yeah. One of his um, kind of quotes is, build a school and you will find a church. And the idea was that if we have a Catholic school, eventually you'll have a parish and a, you know, a church that's living. 
because ch- you know schools have children and children are members of families and it's it's so important for families to worship together and attend mass together i really and so he was before you know field of dreams if you build it they will come but it's that same spirit and i i know that that is not necessarily true today so i want to celebrate and really echo his view like if you are connected in a school and you have a parish and there are different ways that our schools are created now inner parish schools and whatnot but um you know other families you see your friends right um there are things maybe you have to i don't know help out at mass and so thank you to principals and leaders and pastors who support our schools because i do want to I do think he's right. I think it strengthens the church um, and vice versa. A great parish can really strengthen a school. Well, and there's that great passage. Um, So there's a book that I um, was given sort of early in my faith journey called God Calling. Um, And I'll post the link to it. It's it's a really neat, um, a really neat book that has a daily reading and, um, it's, it's very short, but one of the pieces of advice that was given to me when I was received this book was to read it every year and every year post a little note about what that reading meant to me that day, um, because it will change certainly year to year oh. how we receive things. Yeah. But the, the premise of the book and the beginning of it, and, you know, again, early in my faith journey, this was a new saying for me. Um, but, you know, it comes from Matthew. I looked it up real quick for where two or three gather in my name. You know, there I am with them. And I love that. And I, I think that's probably what what's, you know, St. John Newman is saying when you where you build a school, you build a church because you yeah. are gathering there in his name. But I've always loved that because you really don't need a massive church, yeah. you know, to yeah. have God present. You just need, yeah. you know, two or three people who are gathering in his name yeah. um, and he's yeah. there. So, um, yeah. Clearly, he, um, you know, clearly John Newman was was visionary in that sense. Um, You know, this week was also the the Feast of Epiphany. Um, We celebrate Epiphany. I had a a really neat conversation with a a friend of mine who's not Catholic, um, but she came over and we were chatting and she said her husband was asking, kept asking her when she was taking down their Christmas decorations. And she said, I looked at him and I said, we have been married for 31 years and I take them down the same day every year. She said, you would think he would know they don't come down until Epiphany. Uh, yes. And I thought that's I so great. Um, yep. You know, we we happen to always keep our Christmas decorations up that long. It's never been yep. intentional, um, yep. but I think it will be now. Um, but that whole idea that Christmas begins the Christmas season um, yeah. you know, and, and epiphany is, is, is when it all sort of comes together. And, uh, what a beautiful celebration that is. I, I know I've shared this story with you before. Um, but two years ago when I was in, um, Tanzania getting ready to hike huh, Mount Kilimanjaro, which I can't believe it's been two years since I did that. I keep trying to find a time to go back. I had the great fortune of celebrating epiphany, um, at a convent in the foothills of the mountains, the mountain of Kilimanjaro at, with, with nuns, um, the sisters at this, at this convent and retreat house, um, these Tanzanian sisters. And we went to mass in Swahili. So I really didn't know one word of what they were saying. Um, you know, one of the things though I love about Catholic mass is it's universal. So wherever you go, the, the format in general is all pretty much the same. So we could follow along, but it, it was truly one of 
it was probably the most, I don't even want to say one of the most, the, the most joyful mass I have ever attended. And mm. the singing and the the pure joy, it, it was the Holy Spirit. It was, it was God and Mary and it was everyone coming through these sisters as they sang so joyfully. Um, you know, I can still hear it. And it was so, so many of us pulled out our phones to capture it on video, which is really terrible, um, you know, to take your phone out during mass. But it, it was because we didn't want to forget it. Um, and yeah. I don't think we ever could. So Epiphany has grown um, to have a really kind of special place in my heart. One, because of that experience of just being in the presence of true joy of the Lord. Um, and I, I think that's what it was. I don't know if I always get that with the people who are, are sitting around me at mass, but, but truly mm -hmm. that day they were, it was the de definition of joy. Wow. Well, that's a wonderful story. I mean, what great teachers. And I, I you know, the sub theme of my class sports and spirituality is we are all witnesses and just, they try to speak to the power of being a witness. So just hearing you talk about this experience at mass, like what you were able to witness, right. Their faith community, you were welcomed, you were part of it, obviously, but it, it sounds like, yeah, it's something that stays with us. And, um, you know, like you said, you can still hear the music, right? It's so, such a gift. So I do hope you get back. Oh, uh, yeah, I do too. So Anne, tell us about chalking your door. This was something I'd never heard of before. So my, um, when I reference my parish, uh, that's like twofold. So I used to go to St. Dominic's. I live literally between two um, dynamic parishes in San Francisco. So St. Dominic's, I'll reference it now. And then I'm also going to be referencing my my current parish, St. Vincent de Paul. But um, both are a significant part of my life. At St. Dominic's, every um, Sunday of Epiphany, because technically I think the Epiphany is on the 6th, and the Christmas season, right. I believe, will run through next week with the baptism of the Lord. Yep. So we're not done with the Christmas season. So I, I, amen to your friend who doesn't take down the decorations to Epiphany because I, that is true for me and that's hard. I, I don't enjoy that day, but um, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Anyways, um, at St. Dominic's, they give us an envelope and in it is chalk and holy water. And there is a tradition um, that, you know, like so many things in the Christian life, resonate with the Old Testament. So in Exodus, the Israelites marked their doors with blood so that the Lord would pass over their homes. But in, um, in this service of chalking your door, um, we use chalk as a sign um, that we are inviting God's presence and blessing into our homes. So what do you mark? You mark a cross, 20, another cross, C, letter C, the letter M, the letter B cross 21. That is to signify the names of the three kings. So Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. So um, we know them by name. And, and Haley, you mentioned the book a couple weeks ago. The name was? Uh, the Revelation of the Magi. So I'm sure their names are in there. Um, but yeah, you just offer, you just, you put this visible sign over your door, kind of, again, blessing your home. And um, it, there's a linkage to a passage in Deuteronomy. And it says, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your home. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And that chalking the door is a tangible sign of that expression of blessing our home and welcoming people through that gate. So I love that. And I, um, you know, one of the things that someone challenged me with um, many years ago was when someone walks in, and I think I've shared this before, when someone walks into your house, how long is it going to take them to realize you are a Christian home? Meaning, you know, how, what is, what is, what are you saying with what you choose to put out? Yeah. Um, so boy, if you marked the, if you marked the, the outside of your door, they wouldn't even make it in your house and they would know that you were a Christian yeah. home. Um, I also, and this just struck me and maybe it's because the saints are on my mind, but Balthazar was my younger son's confirmation name. No way. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah. Which, which is so fitting for him um, because, you know, many of us choose, um, you know, mine is Francis for St. Francis de Sales and my other son, you know, chose Anthony because I think that was the only saint he knew at the time, praying to St. Anthony. Um, you know, it's a Hilarious. lot. A lot, <laughs> right. A lot of time they're very common names. And, um, you know, my younger son, Edward, is is such a free spirit. That's why we love him so much. And so yeah. he chose Balthazar as his yeah. um, his his confirmation name. And um, so I am going to have to um, I'm going to have to do some research on this and yeah. and dig a little deeper um, as as to why he chose that. But moving forward forward to our takeaways um, because our time is running out here quickly. I could always talk to you all day, Anne. Um, but the takeaways for me this week actually has to do with the saints. And, um, you know, resolutions are resolutions are tricky sometimes for people, and they certainly are for me. I think the last three years, my resolution has been to blog every week. And boy, I have not done well at that. Um, so I will try to get better to that. But really this year, um, one of my resolutions is to include the saints more in my prayers. And, and that really stems from a couple of things that happened this week, not even including um, us talking about Balthazar. But of course, you know, we are 30 minutes into our podcast this week and we have yet to bring up, um, you know, the Notre Dame football game uh, that took place. Um, you know, Ann and I were both on the same page with this. It was an amazing season. It brought us some moments that we will remember forever. Um, we, we didn't end the way we wanted it to, but boy, what a great season, um, for us, um, for us Notre Dame fans. But of course there are not Notre Dame fans who like to get on social media and make that known. So there was a tweet that went out, um, and, and it was sent out by a, a Twitter handle first town first down Moses which I'm sure you follow it's kind of a, a funny account but he tweeted out is there a patron saint of resisting the temptation to respond to harebrained hot takes on Twitter because he or she has already guided my thumb towards the delete draft button several times tonight and I love that Anne because you and I have talked about how um, it is hard to not respond to the snarky comments so I read that um, that tweet about is there a patron saint for for hitting delete, and I googled patron saint of holding your tongue, um, ah. because I thought that would be a good saint that we should all we should all start praying to. But also this week, um, I had the real privilege of spending time with a young girl and her mom 
on their way to the hospital, this young girl was having some pretty significant back surgery. And this is a family I've known for a long time. Um, This is a family I've prayed with a lot. And they stopped by my house at 545 in the morning um, on their way up to the hospital. And and the, the mom had asked us to all pray together. And truly my first thought was what a privilege and then my next thought was okay this is the this is a big one what are we gonna what am i gonna say so i so i again i went to google and i looked up googled patron saints of spines and sure enough we pay prayed to to saint Gemma, and i've been praying for her over the past several days and praying to saint Gemma, and and that that was a really again a privilege but a very powerful moment um for all of us and really helped me come to this realization that 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 incorporating the saints into my prayer life is something um that would i think be a really meaningful thing for me so that that is my biggest resolution this year um of what i would like to do and what about you well i'm just so struck by so many levels to that so one that this mother would have thought to um, you know, before this surgery to stop by and, and to pray together. And then you recognize the significance of it because, you know, prayer is us showing up and it can be anything, but I just love the respect that you showed to it. And I think you just model really good prayer by saying that we're going to call on those people in our tradition that um, are related, you know, it's all about relationship and relationship to God, but are related to something specific. And you know, anyone who's had back problems, challenges, I'm not surprised, to be honest, that there's a patron state of back issues because it can be debilitating and it is so important. So I love that story and I will continue to pray for this young woman for her healing and for anyone who has back problems. Um, As a golfer, I'm not immune to that, but I, I do know, I know people that have really struggled. So Um, that's a great resolution and something we can all think about. And, you know, people, people have a theme, like a word that they use. I've heard that a lot. You know, their theme for 2021 is gratitude. Um, I am going to read for 21 minutes a day in 2021. And that's pleasure reading. I read a lot for work, but that is my commitment. And it's funny because I set my timer and about halfway through, I've like been known to look at my phone and I'm like, wow, I still have like 10 minutes. Like you think, it goes by fast. Sometimes it doesn't. And that's fine. I mean, the content's great. So, um, so I look forward to 21 minutes and seeing how many more books I will read specifically, but, um, maybe my theme for the year's perspective, I've, I've kind of touched on this to a large degree, but as Haley and I have mentioned, we're part of a virtual parish. Um, and every Sunday after mass is over, there's a lot of chit chat and banter. Um, the majority of people on the call are friends with the presider, you know, classmates and longtime friends. And um, I love the banter and I'm not a shy person when it comes to that because I know a number of the people, so I contribute. But one of my boss, he just he just listens and stays on because he loves the banter. He doesn't even say anything. But he just likes to watch the kind of the connections and whatnot. Um, and I've noticed that's something I really miss um, by being at a parish. Um, St. Vincent de Paul, my parish on Green Street has a great front porch. And I think that's key to a good parish is that there's a gathering space for people after mass to catch up and you know just that small community piece. So I've missed that, but I realized A, we have the banter, but B, one of my good friends, Mike Capanegro and I always text after every, um, every, every time we're on Zoom for mass. And this 
Sunday, we of course talked about the Alabama game. So it starts with, you know, licking our wounds, but then just honest, such gratitude for the team, for the program um, Coach Kelly has built for our hopes for the future. You know, it's college football's in a precarious spot right now. And Notre Dame's, you know, like they said, they're, they're banging on the door and we show up and we had another undefeated season. And thank God, you know, we played, I thought, better. And um, for those people who send their snarky remarks, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't give into that because I'm just so grateful we had a football season that these guys made a lot of sacrifices. So I am um, really grateful for this team and the program. They did. And, you know, I certainly 100% feel the same way. It's interesting. Um, another tweet I read in 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 a response to the snarky comments was, um, you know, the more you hate on our team, the more I love it. And I think that's true. And I thought, okay, that's a great way. You just keep hating on us because we're just going to keep loving our team. And, uh, you know, that's really what it's what it's all about is the passion and, you know, not the snark. I, I try not to be snarky. Um, but if you're going to be snarky with me, I'm just going to love my fighting Irish even more. Um, because you're right. Yeah. If it wasn't for Notre Dame, there would most likely not have been a college football season. And what joy and emotions that has brought to so many this year uh, in a time when we really needed it. Yeah, thank you, Irish. Yes. I'm, I'm gonna create a guide for fans. What <laughs> good things to say when a, when a team is struggling, even if you don't like that team. Right, and good what responses. To say, or if you wanna push certain buttons, say this, but I was able to watch the game with my dad and I, I do have to admit, I love watching games with people who really know a lot. I'm kind of like, um, I'm that type of fan who just wants any information you want to give. I soak it up. So um, that was a special way to start the year to be able to watch the game with my dad. That so, is a special way to start the year for sure, for sure. And you know, more of those to come. And, and this is always a special way for me to start my week. So I yeah. always appreciate my conversation with you. It, it sets me up, you know, with the right perspective for the whole week. I hope it does for our listeners as well. Um, you know, we've we've lost our Advent themes of the week and Christmas and Epiphany. So we're going to have to start planning out um, what our topics are and our themes for the week. Um, if anyone has any ideas, send them our way. Um, but Anne, thank you always. Um, for your... It won't be things like diet or... No, no, no. <laughs> cleaning, right? Well, <laughs> our topics are broader than that. But yes, I look forward to creating... Absolutely. Um, and I look forward to seeing what 2021 brings for all of us. Amen. Yep. So until then and until next week, uh, have a great week and happy new year. Thank you.